I'm Wayne Turner, and welcome to the daily podcast of Bible Track. I've developed Bible Track to be both a commentary and a daily Bible reading schedule. These podcasts cover the text and commentary, which may be found at www.bibletrack.org. So, for those who have a busy schedule but do have time to listen to the Bible being read, this podcast is for you. At the end of one year, you will have gone completely through the Bible. Today we'll be reading Deuteronomy chapters 32 through 34, and then a psalm that's attributed to Moses, Psalm 91. Moses writes a song in chapter 32. This is the uh, song that God told Moses to write back in Deuteronomy chapter 31, verses 19 to 21. It's a rather long song, but it's a very important song with a big ending. The song tells a story and issues a warning. On this day, Moses seems to have introduced the writing technique that country music songwriters would use centuries later. It's the story song. Since this is a quite long song, we'll divide it up with some brief explanations regarding content as we go along. Verses 1 and 2, Moses begins with, uh, everybody listen up. Verse 1, Give ear, O ye heavens, and I will speak and hear, O earth, the words of my mouth. My doctrine shall drop as the rain, my speech shall distill as the dew, and the small rain upon the tender herb, and as the showers upon the grass. And now in verses 3 through 6, we see that uh, he's a rock. God is a rock. And this is the first time, actually, that God is called a rock in Scripture. Verse 3. Because I will publish the name of the Lord, ascribe ye greatness unto our God. He is the rock, his work is perfect, for all his ways are judgment, a God of truth without iniquity, just and right he is. They have corrupted themselves, their spot is not the spot of his children. They are perverse and crooked generation. Do ye thus requite the Lord, O ye foolish people and unwise? Is not he thy father that hath brought thee? Hath he not made thee and established thee? In verses 7 through 14, we see that Moses gives particular instances of God's kindness and concern for the people of Israel. Now verse 7. Remember the days of old, consider the years of many generations. Ask thy father, and he will show thee, thy elders, and they will tell thee. When the Most High divided to the nations their inheritance, when he separated the sons of Adam, he set the bounds of the people according to the number of the children of Israel. For the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob is the lot of his inheritance. He found him in a desert land and in the waste howling wilderness. He led him about, he instructed him, he kept him as the ample of his eye. As an eagle stirreth up her nest, fluttereth over her young, spreadeth abroad her wings, taketh them, beareth them on her wings, so the Lord alone did lead him, and there was no strange God with him. He made him ride on the high places of the earth, that he might eat the increase of the fields, and he made him to suck honey out of the rock, and oil out of the flinty rock, butter of kine and milk of sheep, with fat of lambs and rams of breed of Bashan, and goats with the fat kidneys of wheat, and thou dost drink the pure blood of the grape. Now in verse 15 through 18, we're going to see two instances of the wickedness of Israel 
and each of these was apostasy from God. Incidentally, Jeshurun, which we're going to see in this passage, in these next four verses, that's another name for Israel, meaning upright people. We actually see it in Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 15, 33, 5, and 33, 26, and also Isaiah chapter 44, verse 2. Now, verse 15. But Jeshurun waxed fat and kicked. Thou art waxen fat, thou art grown thick. Thou art covered with fatness. Then he forsook God which made him, and lightly esteemed the rock of his salvation. They provoked him to jealousy with strange gods. With abominations provoked they him to anger. They sacrificed unto devils, not to God. To gods whom they knew not. To new gods that came newly up, whom your fathers feared not. Of the rock that begat thee thou art unmindful, and hast forgotten God that formed thee. Now in verses 19 to 25, we see they move God to anger. And by the way, that's not good. Verse 19. And when the Lord saw it, he abhorred them because of the provoking of his sons and of his daughters. And he said, I will hide my face from them. I will see what their end shall be. For they are a very forward generation, children in whom is no faith. They have moved me to jealousy with that which is not God. They have provoked me to anger with their vanities. I will move them to jealousy with those which are not a people. I will provoke them to anger with a foolish nation. For fire is kindled in mine anger, and shall burn unto the lowest hell, and shall consume the earth with her increase, and set on fire the foundations of the mountains. I will heap mischiefs upon them. I will spend mine arrows upon them. They shall be burnt with hunger and devoured with burning heat and with bitter destruction. I will also send the teeth of beasts upon them with the poison of serpents of the dust. The sword without and terror within shall destroy both the young man and the virgin, the suckling also with the man of gray hairs. As we prepare to read verses 26 to 38, we see that the idolatry and rebellions cause God to respond. Verse 26, I said, I would scatter them into corners. I would make the remembrance of them to cease from among men. Were it not that I feared the wrath of the enemy, lest their adversaries should behave themselves strangely, and lest they should say, Our hand is high, and the Lord hath not done all this. For they are a nation void of counsel, neither is there any understanding in them. Oh, that they were wise, that they would understand this, and that they would consider their latter end. How should one chase a thousand, and two put ten thousand to flight, except their rock had sowed them, and the Lord had shut them up? For their rock is not as our rock, even our enemies themselves being judges. For their vine is of the vine of Sodom, and of the fields of Gomorrah. Their grapes are grapes of gall, their clusters are bitter. Their wine is the poison of dragons, and the cruel venom of asp. Is not this laid up in store with me, and sealed up among my treasures? To me belongeth vengeance and recompense. Their foot shall slide in due time. For the day of their calamity is at hand, and the things that shall come upon them make haste. For the Lord shall judge his people, and repent himself for his servants, when he seeth their power is gone, and there is none shut up or left. And he shall say, Where are their gods? their rock in whom they trusted. 
which did eat the fat of their sacrifices and drank the wine of their drink offerings. Let them rise up and help you and be your protection. And then finally, in verses 39 to 43, we see that God is awesome. Verse 39. See now that I, even I, am he, and there is no God with me. I kill and I make alive. I wound and I heal. Neither is there any that can deliver out of my hand. For I lift up my hand to heaven and say, I live forever. If I wet my glittering sword and mine hand take hold on judgment, I will rend vengeance to mine enemies and will reward them that hate me. I will make mine arrows drunk with blood and my sword shall devour flesh. And that with the blood of the slain and of the captives from the beginning of revenges upon the enemy. Rejoice, O ye nations, with his people, for he will avenge the blood of his servants and will render vengeance to his adversaries and will be merciful unto his land and to his people. So there you have it. As Moses is getting ready to leave them, he's getting ready to die. He pens these words with the hopes that Israel will stay faithful to God. However, he's already received word from God that they won't stay faithful. That prophetic reality has been unfolding over the last three chapters. It was introduced first in Deuteronomy chapter 29, verse 22. Those chapters are complete, including the consequences of rebellion against God. So putting the whole thing into a song, well, that's just another step to help Israel maintain their resolve for God. Then in verses 44 to 52, we see that Moses gets the bad news once again. Verse 44. And Moses came and spake all the words of the song in the ears of the people, he and Hosea the son of Nun. And Moses made an end of speaking all these words to all Israel. And he said unto them, Set your hearts unto all the words which I testify among you this day, which ye shall command your children to observe to do all the words of this law. For it is not a vain thing for you, because it is your life, and through this thing ye shall prolong your days in the land, whether ye go over Jordan to possess it. And the Lord spake unto Moses that selfsame day, saying, Get thee up into this mountain, Abram, unto Mount Nebo, which is in the land of Moab, that is over against Jericho, and behold the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel for a possession." And die in the mount whither thou goest, and be gathered into thy people, as Aaron thy brother died in Mount Hor, and was gathered into his people. Because ye trespassed against me among the children of Israel, the waters of Meribah Kadesh, in the wilderness of Zin, because ye sanctified me not in the midst of the children of Israel. Yet thou shalt see the land before thee, but thou shalt not go thither unto the land which I give the children of Israel. Hosea in verse 44, well, that's Joshua. Here's the confirmation. No Canaan for you, Moses. Of course, he already knew that from back in Numbers chapter 20, verses 1 to 13. That was the occasion on which Moses struck the rock with his rod in disobedience to the command of God when he was told just to speak to the rock. God told him then that he wouldn't be entering Canaan. So the decree here in verses 50 to 52 is just a repeat from uh, a word that he'd gotten from God earlier. Moses, it says here, is to be, quote, gathered into his people. That's a term reflecting the Hebrews' knowledge of eternal life. 
Notice the places where this terminology is used in the Old Testament in the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. It's used in Genesis 25.8, 25.17, Numbers chapter 20, verse 24, and Numbers chapter 20, verse 26. And also then right here in Numbers chapter 32.50. So it was uh, common, common terminology when talking about eternal life that Abraham and then Ishmael and then Isaac and then Jacob and then Aaron and now Moses all gathered into their people signifying eternal life. However, Moses does get a view of the place from atop Mount Nebo in the mountain range known as Abiram in Moab. Moses actually had rehearsed this point previously in Deuteronomy chapter 3 verses 23 to 29. Now you notice a reference to Jeshurun in chapter 32, verse 15, 33, 5, 33, 26. It's also found in Isaiah 44, verse 2, with a slight deviation in spelling there. Jeshurun is a poetic name for the people of Israel. It's used as a token of affection, meaning the dear and upright people. Now it's time for Moses to do a blessing over the tribes. Just as Jacob had blessed the tribes of Israel back in Genesis chapter 49. Here in Deuteronomy chapter 33, Moses does it again just prior to his death. We get an introduction to these blessings in the first five verses of chapter 33, verse 1. And this is the blessing wherewith Moses, the man of God, blessed the children of Israel before his death. And he said, The Lord came from Sinai and rose up from Seir unto them. He shined forth from Paran. And he came with ten thousand of saints from his right hand, went a fiery law for them. Yea, he loved the people. All his saints are in thy hand. And they sat down at thy feet. Every one shall receive of thy words. Moses commanded us the law, even the inheritance of the congregation of Jacob. And he was king in Jeshurun when the heads of the people and the tribes of Israel were gathered together. Now the first blessings on Reuben in verse 6. Let Reuben live and not die, and let not his men be few. Then Judah in verse 7. And this is the blessing of Judah. And he said, Hear, Lord, the voice of Judah, and bring him into his people. Let his hands be sufficient for him, and be thou an help to him from his enemies. And then Levi in verses 8 through 11. And of Levi he said, Let thy Thummim and thy Urim be with thy Holy One whom thou didst prove at Massa, and with whom thou didst strive at the waters of Meribah. Who said unto his father and to his mother, I have not seen him? Neither did he acknowledge his brethren, nor knew his own children. For they have observed thy word, and kept thy covenant. They shall teach Jacob thy judgments, and Israel thy law. They shall put incense before thee, and the whole burnt sacrifice upon thine altar." Bless, Lord, his substance, and accept the word of his hands. Smite through the loins of them that rise against him, and of them that hate him, that they rise not again. And then the blessing on Benjamin in verse 12. And of Benjamin, he said, The beloved of the Lord shall dwell in safety by him, and the Lord shall cover him all the day long, and he shall dwell between his shoulders. Then we have the blessing on Joseph for Ephraim and Manasseh, verse 13 through 17. 
And of Joseph he said, Blessed of the Lord be his land, for the precious things of heaven, for the dew, and for the deep that coucheth beneath, and for the precious fruits brought forth by the sun, and for the precious things put forth by the moon, and for the chief things of the ancient mountains, and for the precious things of the lasting hills, and for the precious things of the earth and fullness thereof, and for the good will of him that dwelt in the bush, let the blessing come upon the head of Joseph, and upon the top of the head of him that was separated from his brethren. His glory is like the firstling of his bullock, and his horns are like the horns of unicorns. With them he shall push the people together to the ends of the earth, and they are the ten thousands of Ephraim, and they are the thousands of Manasseh. Then we have the blessings upon Zebulun and Issachar in verses 18 and 19. And Zebulun, he said, Rejoice, Zebulun, in thy goings out, and Issachar in thy tents. They shall call the people into the mountain. There they shall offer sacrifices of righteousness, for they shall suck of the abundance of the seas and of the treasures hid in the sand. And then Gad in verses 20 and 21 and of Gad he said, Blessed be he that enlargeth Gad. He dwelleth as a lion, and teareth the arm with the crown of the head. And he provideth the first part for himself, because there, in a portion of the lawgiver, was he seated. And he came with heads of the people. He executed the justice of the Lord, and his judgments with Israel. Now Dan in verse 22. And of Dan, he said, Dan is a lion's whelp, he shall leap from Bashan. And then Naphtali in verse 23. And of Naphtali, he said, O Naphtali, satisfied with favor, and full with blessing of the Lord, possess thou the west and the south. Now Asher in verses 24 and 25. And of Asher, he said, Let Asher be blessed with children, let him be acceptable to his brethren, and let him dip his foot in oil. Thy shoes shall be iron and brass, and as thy days, so shall thy strength be. Then we find the conclusion of the blessings in verses 26 through 29. Verse 26. There is none likened to the God of Jeshurun, who rideth upon the heaven in thy help, and in his excellency on the sky. The eternal God is thy refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms. And he shall thrust out the enemy from before thee, and shall say, Destroy them. Israel then shall dwell in safety alone. The fountain of Jacob shall be upon a land of corn and wine. Also his heavens shall drop down dew. Happy art thou, O Israel, who is likened to thee, O people saved by the Lord, the shield of thy help, and who is the sword of thy excellency? And thine enemies shall be found liars unto thee, and thou shalt tread upon their high places. Hmm, uh, where's Simeon in these blessings? As a matter of fact, the tribe of Simeon gets swallowed up into the tribe of Judah when they reach Canaan. Their inheritance is actually contained within the boundaries of Judah. Later on, they actually seem to disappear altogether. Remember that attempt to overthrow the theocracy in lieu of the democracy back in Numbers chapter 16? Well, the tribes on the south side of the tabernacle, and, and Simeon was one of those tribes, they took a big population hit as a result 
of uh, what took place afterwards. When the census is taken at the end of the 40 years, their numbers have diminished by nearly two-thirds. I've included a population chart in the study in the notes on Numbers chapter 26, if you'd like to check that out for yourself. Now, here we are at the end of the 40 years, and they are the smallest tribe of Israel with just 22,200 men. And to make things worse, they don't even get a mention in the blessings of Moses here in this 33rd chapter. That brings us to Deuteronomy chapter 34, and we see that Moses gets a 30-day send-off, verse 1. And Moses went up from the plains of Moab unto the mountains of Nemo, to the top of Pisgah, that is over against Jericho. And the Lord showed him all the land of Gilead unto Dan, and all Naphtali in the land of Ephraim and Manasseh, and all the land of Judah unto the utmost sea, and the south and the plain of the valley of Jericho, the city of palm trees unto Zor. And the Lord said unto him, This is the land which I swear unto Abraham, unto Isaac, and to Jacob, saying, I will give it unto thy seed. I have caused thee to see it with thine eyes, but thou shalt not go over thither. So Moses, the servant of God, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. And he buried him in the valley of the land of Moab, over against Beth Peor, that no man knoweth of his sepulchre unto this day. And Moses was an hundred and twenty years old when he died. His eye was not dim, nor his natural force abated. And the children of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab thirty days. So the days of weeping and mourning for Moses were ended. And Joshua the son of Nun was full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands upon him, and the children of Israel hearkened unto him, and did as the Lord commanded Moses. And there arose not a prophet since in Israel likened to Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. In all the signs and the wonders which the Lord sent him to do in the land of Egypt to Pharaoh, and to all his servants, and to all his land, and in all that mighty hand, and in all the great terror which Moses showed in the sight of all Israel. Well, Moses' time has arrived. He ascends to the top of Pisgah and looks over the new homeland, over into Canaan. God assures him, he says, I'll give it unto thy seed, verse 4. Then Moses dies in verse 5. Verse 6 says, And he buried him. Well, who's the he in that verse? Well, all indications are that God himself buried Moses. The fact that no man knoweth of his sepulchre to this day is what it says there. That would indicate that God did indeed bury Moses. Now, Moses' trusted assistant, Joshua, undoubtedly had a hand in the completion of the book of Deuteronomy. He probably had a hand in Genesis through Numbers as well. Now, you might be saying, so Moses was frail anyway, right? Well, look what it says in verse 7 there. It says, And Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eye was not dim, nor his natural force abated. Everyone should be so useful between the ages of 80 and 120. God took his life at the ripe old age of 120 after his mission was complete. But it was no surprise to Moses. He first got this word back in Numbers chapter 20, verse 12, where it said, And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, Because ye believed me not, 
to sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel. Therefore ye shall not bring this congregation into the land which I have given them. Verse 8 says that they wept and mourned after Moses' death for 30 days. Well, now it's Joshua's turn. Notice the legacy of Moses in verses 10 through 12. It says, And there arose not a prophet since in Israel likened to Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. And all the signs and the wonders which the Lord sent him to do in the land of Egypt to Pharaoh, and to all his servants, and to all his land, and in all that mighty hand, and in all the great terror which Moses showed in the sight of Israel. Now keep in mind that Joshua had been Moses' right-hand man since the beginning out of Egypt. He's ready for the big assignment here. We see in verse 9 it says, And Joshua the son of Nun was full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands upon him, and the children of Israel hearkened unto him, and did as the Lord commanded Moses. Well, Moses is established as unique before God in verse 10, when here's what it says about Moses. And there arose not a prophet since in Israel likened to Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. This unique means of communication with God was experienced by no one else in the Old Testament, just Moses, and that's all. We see it explained in more detail in Exodus chapter 33, verses 7 through 23. That brings us to Psalm 91. We think it was probably written along with Psalm 90 by Moses himself. Verse 1. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will save the Lord. He is my refuge and my fortress. My God in him will I trust. Surely he will deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Only with thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked, because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High, thy habitation. There shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over thee, to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear thee in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and the adder. The young lion and the dragon shalt thou trample under feet. Because he hath set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high, because he hath known my name. He shall call upon me, and I will answer him and I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Well, as you can see, this is a psalm magnifying God's protection of those who put their trust in him. While not stated, this psalm was probably written by Moses as well. It seems very similar to Psalm 90, which is definitely attributed to Moses. 
Now, an interesting point is worth mentioning here. Satan quoted verses 11 and 12 of this psalm in Matthew chapter 4, verse 6, and that's as he was tempting Jesus. Isn't it interesting that a ploy of Satan is even to quote scripture out of context in order to make point? This concludes our podcast for today. I'm Wayne Turner, and if you'd like to read along with our commentary online, go to www.bibletrack.org. Thank you for listening in today. The background music for these podcasts is an original composition written by the music director of Faith Bible Church, Paul Walton.